The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Kind of internal, looking at ourselves, looking at how we are, observing our experience. This is a big part of, of our practice for sure. And yet the Buddhist teachings include the relational also, how we are in community, how we are with each other. And he had a lot to say about cultivating skillful relationships. Big chunk of the Eightfold Path is about skillful relationships, wise action, wise speech, wise livelihood. And the key or the, the, the piece in terms of the, the cultivation of skillful relationships is um, can we or how do we engage in a way that cultivates non-harming, that cultivates harmony, we could say. Cultivates harmonious relationships. The emphasis on this really, to, in, my, in my understanding, is that, that the Buddhist path, the Eightfold Path, is really pointing towards how do we free ourselves from suffering, stress? How do we let go of suffering, abandon suffering? How do, how do, how do we do that? And the Buddha says or points to, I think, the harmonizing in relationships, if we want to be free of suffering ourselves, then we should engage with our, in our relationships in a way that would not add harm into the world or it would create harmony in the world instead of stress in the world. So this is not an easy uh, task. It's not an easy Ask. And last week we talked some about the wise speech aspect of the Eightfold Path, a little bit of the teachings on wise speech. And partly I, I was thinking about it in terms of it's, for many of us, it's kind of the holiday time, the end of year, holiday time, and seeing families or in situations with um, in relationship a lot, perhaps, and things come up often, especially in families, you know, that, that uh, stress can often arise in families, and how, how can we have our practice contribute to harmony in our, in our uh, interactions, especially through speech. And so last time I spoke about that, and I want to, to continue a little bit with that tonight, at the end, we didn't have time for questions yesterday, and I mean, last time we didn't have time for questions, and I thought it would be nice to, to have space for questions on speech today, but I thought I'd recap just a little bit um, to uh, just set the stage a little bit. 
So we talked last time about four kinds of speech to avoid. The, the classic teaching on wise speech is to avoid or refrain from false speech, harsh speech, divisive speech, and idle chatter. And the, uh, the instructions connected with these um, point us to avoiding speech that is intending to deceive, Avoiding speech, false speech, is, is t- speech that's intending to deceive. Avoiding speech that is intending to create pain in the listener, harsh speech, whether through the words or through the tone of voice. Avoiding creating speech that creates divisions between people, that divides people. That's divisive speech. With, so avoiding speech that has the intention to divide and uh, avoiding speech that has no purposeful intention at all, the, uh, the idle chatter um, one. And it's important, I think, to connect with the intention side of it. I, we stressed this a little bit last time to look at what is the intention behind speech? What is your purpose for speaking? Because sometimes, for example, I gave an example with um, idle chatter. You know, it might be that at a holiday gathering, if it's a gathering with some people you don't know, you might start with a conversation about the weather. And that maybe seems like idle chatter. But the intention behind that is to connect. So the intention behind that speech isn't to just speak with no purpose. The intention has a a kind of a nonverbal purpose. And so, you know, that we, we, we need to look at the intention behind our speech as we're exploring these, uh, these kinds of speech. And it may be that we say something that is not intended to be harsh, for example, but somebody receives it as harsh. And in that case, you know, then the way I look at that for myself is, okay, that my intention was not to create pain in the listener, and yet pain was created in the listener. So what can I do to understand what I didn't understand? So that it, it, it's, it's like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling like I spoke harshly, but I would like to understand why the other person received it in that way? What did I not know? What did I not understand about the context of the situation? What did I not understand about something about the person? And so it's, it, it's, it's like, we want to, we want to not just look at the intention. Sometimes there's this, um, in some of the, um, explorations around uh, diversity and equity and inclusivity, there's a language about looking at intention and impact, and that we, we, we need to also look at the impact of our statements, the impact of how we are. It's not just about our intention, that, that it's, it's, if it's useful to have a, a, a wholesome intention, it's useful to have an intention that is connected with wanting to create harmony an intention to um, want to connect. And yet sometimes our actions may not have that effect. And so what's the impact of our, of our, 
of how we are. And, and, and what, what I like to explore is, okay, if my intention was, um, at least to my understanding was intended to connect with kindness and metta. And yet the effect wasn't that. So the impact wasn't that. Then there's something for me to learn. There's something for me to understand, something to explore, something, maybe a broader picture to, to understand. And so it, it, it's, you know, the intention is important, but we do also have to look at the effect. How does our speech affect others? And not just dismiss. It's like, well, it's your problem if you took it that way. You know, that, 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 um, that's not looking at the bigger picture of the, 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 the creating harmony in the, in the field. So the other side, another side, so the, the wise speech often described as these kinds of speech to avoid, but then the Buddha also pointed to um, speaking what's true, what's beneficial, what's kind, and at, at a time that it can be heard. So when is it time, when is an appropriate time to speak? Is it true? Is it beneficial? Is it kind? And kind doesn't necessarily always mean that it's pleasing. It doesn't always necessarily mean that it's something the other person wants to hear. And the Buddha emphasized that if something is not pleasing to a, a listener, then it's important to speak about that at an appropriate time. And so to, to reflect on these pieces as well. Is it true? Is it useful? Is it kind? Is it an appropriate time to say this? Will the other person be able to hear me? Is the context such that it's an appropriate time to bring this up? So really, you know, we do have to think about a broader container. You know, we need to bring our mindfulness to bear, not just on how I am internally, but externally, what's happening in the environment, in the, in the context of the situation. And in this, in this kind of a relational field, we also need to take in externally the content or the context in which something is happening. And this is not something that we're often doing on the cushion, right? We're not often looking at context so much on the cushion. We're more looking at just how we are how the feelings are, what, what is, what's, what's arising in the present moment. And so this is, is, is kind of broadening our capacity to be mindful in, um, in a broader context, in a bigger container, understanding how we are, how others are, taking in how people are responding. That's another way to understand this external mindfulness the Buddha talked about in the Satipatthana Sutta, in the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness. He talked about mindfulness internally and externally. And while in the Satipatthana Sutta itself, it doesn't describe so much what external mindfulness means, it it um, is pointed to elsewhere that external mindfulness means understanding how other people are. And we, we do that largely through observing them, through being sensitive to how they are expressing themselves, how they look, what's the expression on their face, what's their body language, what are they saying, 
And so the, the internal and external um, uh, mindfulness encourages us to be very sensitive to how others are in a situation. And so when we speak, being mindful not just about how we are when we speak, but how it might land for somebody else. How are they taking it? Can you, can you um, um, see or um, get a sense of how they are receiving what you're saying? So um, I wanted to leave lots of time for questions today. So um, about this topic, if there's, if there's any comments or questions, since we talked about it last week, maybe there was something that came up for you during the week. And I'm just curious if you have any reflections on how you worked with this in your practice or questions or comments. Anthony. Hi, Andrea. Hi. Um, Yeah, what came to mind mind, uh, just now just as you were finishing that last phrase, um, was that how do we not confuse that with our perception and our, uh, you know, our conditioning to, uh, you know, think that that person is, you know, such and such, but really it's just our perception of what we think, you know? This is a great question. And all we have is our perceptions, you know, that we, we, we can't know actually exactly what's happening for somebody else. It, it is filtered through our conditioning. It is filtered through our perception. And yet we do the best we can. Um, you know, there's, there's certain things. It's interesting. Um, you know, we are designed to resonate with other people. And I think the more we are aware of ourselves without judging ourselves, without um, reacting and just allowing, well, this is what's happening for me. The more we get the, that sensitivity, that ability, that capacity to, to um, uh, know how we are without judging, without uh, analyzing or, or um, um, reacting to how we are, then as we see other people, um, you know, we have this capacity. We are designed in a way as human beings to resonate with other human beings. There's a lot of studies, modern day studies done about this kind of thing, um, about how, you know, if you see somebody like babies, you know, if, if, if you smile at a baby, a baby will smile back. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like a mirroring that happens. And there's also some studies that are done. Like if you just put a smile on your face, it will make your, it will make you feel happy. You know, it like brings some delight into your mind. It's just, it's, it's an interesting thing. Our faces are very uh, attuned. If we make a frown, then there's a a feeling that kind of can go with that. And so, you know, I, I think we're kind of designed to almost mimic body language, or if we, if we kind of are there to receive how somebody else is and are attentive to how we are, we may get a little bit of a sense, especially if we're just curious and not, um, you know, overlaying overlaying it with judgments or opinions. And, and, and again, you know, we, we are, it is our perception. There's no way around that. And yet 
the, the more we have that uh, capacity to just meet ourselves, I think the more there's the capacity to kind of resonate more clearly with other people and have a sense of what may be happening for them. And you can always ask too. <laughs> you know, I do this, I do this quite a bit in my, in my practice as a, as a teacher, you know, just kind of checking in like, you know, gee, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, um, uh, Maybe this is relevant right now. How does that land for you? Or, you know, so, so, you know, we can check, you know, not, not, I think we have to do that, you know, not just to assume that our perceptions are correct, but, but to, um, to kind of check if, if that's possible, if there's a, a way to have a dialogue with the other person. Sometimes there's not, and we just do the best we can. But that's an important question. And I think it's, it's definitely worth, not assuming that you know, you know, not assuming that you know what somebody else is experiencing, but the the possibility of seeing, you know, you see somebody's face change after you've said something, and then maybe you get a little hit of, oh, something hurt there, you know, so, so then check it out. It's like, oh, I didn't intend to say something that would hurt you, um, how, how are you right now? You know, you know, so, so to, um, to, to check it out in that way. Thank you, Andrea. Great question, Anthony. Thank you. Yeah. Ali. Hi, thanks, Andrea. Yeah. I was just wondering if you could uh, speak a bit more or opening it up, open it up to, uh, as far as like white lies with good intention, particularly on the situation that, you know, you're giving somebody hope. So, you know, uh, so they can keep going or whatnot, even though you don't think, you know, that's very possible, but it's all in good intention and everything else. But, you know, you are framing it that, uh, you know, frame something a particular way. So it lands well and then they go for it or, or continue on without really believing it yourself. Yeah, I mean this is this is um this is often a question that comes up in in particular around um refraining from false speech. And there's a you know there's there's a couple of things to explore there. Um you know the, often this comes up, you know, like a white lie if I don't want to hurt somebody, hurt somebody's feelings or something like that or um, you said to give somebody hope, to give somebody um, the possibility of, you know, maybe it will be different, you know, maybe it will come out in a certain way, um, even if you don't believe that. Um, I mean, in certain in certain situations, it's not, you know, looking at the important the important piece here is to look at is it act is it a lie. You know, are you actually telling them a lie? And so there used to be this this very um, ethic in in certain i mean i think it was it's 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 old i don't think they do this so much anymore but it used to be that doctors would routinely lie to people uh about you know their health because they thought that it was better for them not to know and yet you know it it actually ends up overall it is not usually the best the best course to 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 lie to people about their health because often they have a sense that something's wrong and they you know they might feel like they're they're going crazy or something and and so there's there's you know there's 
so that's that's one that's one kind of thing where you do you know it's a lie or is it you know in one case it might be yeah you know you do think you know 99% chance it's going to turn out this way but there's always a possibility you know you know you don't know what's going to happen and so you know just saying something like well you know you never know it 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 could it could turn out in the in this way or something so that's not technically a lie it's just not something that you believe is very possible and so that's 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 something to look at is it actually a lie are you intending, you know, are you intending to deceive them that, you know, this is, so the intention to deceive is, is important, I think. Now, the Buddha did come down pretty strongly on, on lies. To his own son, at seven years old, he said, you should not lie, even as a joke, you shouldn't lie, even as a joke. And yet there's, there are other situations that often come up, you know, even in, in looking at it that firmly, not to lie even as a joke. Um, you know, I've heard some some people ask the question, well, what if you're lying to protect somebody's life? You know, this doesn't happen for many of us, but it could, you know, it could, it could happen. You know, the kind of the classic example of um, in Nazi Germany, lying to protect um, Jews that you, you know, the Jewish people hiding in your house. And, um, so there's, there's, uh, there's multiple intentions behind that, right? There is, there is the intention to deceive the Nazi. <laughs> there is that intention to deceive. And there is the intention to protect the life. And there's a potential, a, a potentially also an intention to prevent the, um, the the Nazi from causing harm to another person, and so there are, there are multiple um, uh, you know intentions at play there. Now I can't say, and and my understanding of the way karma works, because this is essentially you know this is essentially you know the intentions are all in effect here the intention to deceive is in is in play the intention to the intention to prevent the harm is is at play and um um the, all of them have their momentum they have their consequences so you know it's not I would I would say for myself, you know, sometimes I just say this, like I hope I would have ha I would have had the courage. I would I hope I would have the courage to lie if somebody comes to my door saying, "Are you hiding somebody? I'm going to take them off to, you know, send them to a concentration camp." I hope I would have the courage to lie and and to protect that life. And you know, the the understanding that I have is that there is still some there is going to potentially be some fallout from that lie. You know, it's like, that's just not, it's not that somehow the protecting of the life, you know, makes it okay to lie. It's, or, 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 or somehow mitigates the fallout from that lie. You know, it's, but it, but it is, I would say that in the balance of the harmony of, of, of the context of that situation, Lying is what I would go for, um, you know, just because it feels like the lesser harm. 
And yes, I would take the consequences of that lie. You know, it's like, yes, I know that that, I mean, and maybe that the consequence is simply the mind getting very agitated, like, what if they, what if they find out I lie? You know, what if they find out I've lied? You know, that's, that's a consequence of lying. You know, so, so, but, but at the same time, I think we do need to look, we need to look at the bigger picture, look at the intention. So in that case, that intention is to deceive, but, um, you know, what, what's the bigger picture? So there, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of gray areas in the, in the particular scenario you're talking about, you know, a, a white lie to give somebody hope. You know, I would say there might be some way if you think about it. Now, it's not always easy to, to come up with these in the spur of the moment, you know, but if you think about it, there might be a way to give somebody hope without deceiving them. And, and so, you know, what, what might that be? And it might be, you know, it might be just acknowledging that you don't know, you know, what the outcome is, what the outcome is going to be, but there's always the possibility of, you know, something unusual happening. Um, and, and so, and, or, or just, you know, I'll, I'll be here with you, whatever happens, you know, to, to give them a kind of a different kind of hope, a sense of, you know, I'm, I'm here with you no matter what happens. Um, so, so there's just different ways to think about in those situations. And I think that's what the Buddha was encouraging with his son, you know, really think about it before you lie. You know, what, you know is there some other way? Is there some other way to go? Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sultram. Yeah, Paolo. <clears throat> Yeah, actually, I remember a, a story from Sylvia Borstein where um, she, was, she said to her father, let's go to the movies today. And uh, her father said, why do you want to take me to the movies? I'm dying. And she said, yeah, but not today. So anyway. Just yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> beautiful. That, that, that's more like twisting it as opposed to saying, yeah, you're going to die. But she said, well, not today. So let's Not right at this moment. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's ice cream, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that in. Yeah. Yeah, Fred. Hi. Uh, I want to thank you for talking about uh, intention and impact because uh, it is something that, that I've been wondering about uh, because in the Buddhist circles that I move in, the, the focus has been on, uh, on intention. And I don't believe I've ever heard someone talk about impact. Well, you know, the Buddha, the, the, the way I, I um, connect this to the Buddhist teaching is actually in that same teaching that the Buddha told his son, you know, don't lie even as a joke. He went on to, um, to encourage his son to reflect on his actions before he acted, while he acted, and after he acted to, to see, will this cause harm? You know, is, so before acting, you know, will this cause harm to yourself or others or both? And if, if you don't foresee that it's going to cause harm to self or others or both, then go ahead and do it. Then while you're acting, check it out. Is it causing harm? to self or others or both. And so that's checking out the impact in the present moment while you're doing it. Yes. And then 
after he said after you you know he don't stop then it's like after you have done something see if it did cause harm did cause affliction to self or others or both so again looking at impact so you know that's that's the teaching that i really think brings brings clearly in this this checking like looking you know what how do our actions affect others you know he he really he he wanted us to engage in in ways that do harmonize and so and i understand that teaching to his son very much to be about learning from your mistakes you know learning from the impact not to it doesn't say you know it doesn't say beat yourself up and tell yourself you're a horrible person if it created harm. It, it, it you know, it, it says undertake restraint in the future. Tell, tell a wise person what happened, you know, and, and potentially, you know, make amends. So, um, um, it, it, it does, it does. And I think also it, it brings in this question or reflection of what can I learn? What did I not understand that that harm was created? So it, it it lets us learn from our mistakes without judging ourselves for them. You know, it's like, yes, if I if I didn't have that intention, if I didn't intend to be harmful, you know, it's like, but and yet harm happens. So what can I learn? And then there's a whole other set of things to work with. If we did intend to cause harm, you know, then there's there's actually quite a bit of pain that we that we go through ourselves. It's like, oh, I did want that person to hurt, and and then and then I, the Buddha encourages us again not to um, hate ourselves for that, but to see if we can undertake um, more skillful action in the future. Mm 